Yes, yes, yes. It's time for another podcast session with the Master Passive Income Podcast. My name is Dustin Heiner. I'm so excited for you guys to be here with me today. And I'm so excited to teach you about the principles in real estate investing. Now, I've been getting many, many people asking me, well, hey, well, everything that you teach, will that help me to invest in like in Australia or Canada or Germany? Will it help me invest around the globe? Well, that got me to really think and consider the principles about real estate investing because yes, this can absolutely help you invest in real estate so you can quit your job with rental properties and never work a job again if you do these principles. If you learn these principles, you implement them into your business, you will absolutely be able to quit your job because of the rental properties that you buy. Now the nuances in different countries will be different, the laws will be different, the way the financing works will be different. There'll be a lot of different things, but the principles remain the same and this will last throughout generations and generations. People have utilized real estate to become wealthy for thousands of years and it's never gonna stop. Real estate's the only one thing that they're not making any more of and you can make your life dramatically different where you can quit your job, travel the world, play with your grandkids or kids or or just do whatever you want because you have money coming in from an automatic business that does all the work for you without you doing any work yourselves. All right, now let's get started looking at the principles of investing in real estate, part one. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about all aspects of real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here is your host, Dustin Heiner. All right, guys. So how is everybody doing today? Hopefully you're doing well. Hopefully you're getting out there. You're starting to analyze deals. Hopefully you're even putting in offers on properties and buying properties, getting them fixed up, getting tenants in there, starting to make passive income with the real estate. Now, I love getting feedback and I wanted to read a review that I got on my podcast this review is from JD Ram123. JD Ram writes, I definitely recommend this podcast. Dustin seems like a down to earth guy with lots of great insight to help with building financial security. He doesn't oversell. There are just basic principles that anyone can implement. Thank you, Dustin. Hey, JD Ram, I really, really appreciate your review. And, and if anybody else goes out there and leaves a review, I have a number of them. I'll be reading those over the air. And if you go out there on my podcast, you subscribe to it, you rate it, and you also review it, I'll read your review on air, give you a shout out. So guys, I, like I was saying in the beginning, I really hope that you're starting to invest in real estate. I want you to get started analyzing deals. Start looking at properties in a specific area that you want to invest because you don't really know what a good deal is until you know what the deals are out there. You know, if everything is going to be making you only $50 a month and you find one property that's going to be making you $300 a month, well, then that's a good deal. You got to jump on that property. All right, guys. So now today we're going to be looking at the principles of investing in real estate. And the reason why we're going to go over the principles is because investing in real estate can happen all over the world. These principles are not specific to America, to Canada, to Germany, to Australia, to Sweden, or any place like that. Now, there are different nuances in each country. Wherever you go, they might have different laws. They might have different financing rules. They might have different regulations. You might have different types of clientele, different property managers, a lot of different things that can come up. But you're going to have to learn those out in your country. 
if it ever comes down to a time where I want to buy a home in another country that I will be able to go and live in for, you know, two weeks out of the year and then do Airbnb or rent it out for the rest of the 50 weeks out of the year, I can do that. Now, what I would do is I would actually learn the market. I'd learn the country. I'd learn more about the laws, the regulations, the types of financing, all that sort of stuff. And so it's absolutely possible for you to take everything that you're learning from this podcast and apply it to whatever country you're living in. Like I was saying, I have many people from Canada listening to the podcast and saying, hey, how, you know, does this actually work in Canada? Well, absolutely it does. If you listen to these principles, and this is part one, there's so many principles that I want to give you so that you are extremely ready to invest in whatever country you are. And so this is part one. We're gonna go through 10 different principles that you are going to implement into your business. Now, Next week, you're going to get part two, where you're going to get the rest of the 20 total. There are a total of 20 principles that I'm going to give you over the next two weeks, but there are probably even more than that. But these are some basic principles that you will want to implement and be able to make sure that you make money every single month. Now, let's jump right into it. Now, the very first principle you're going to want to implement into your business is to make sure you make money every single month in passive income. Super, super simple. That's the only real reason why I invest in real estate is because I make money every single month from every single property that I buy. A minimum of $250 every single month goes in in my pocket, some $500 or $600 a month, depending on the amount of rent that I get out of it. Now, the longer I invest in real estate, the more properties that I have and the longer that I own properties, my passive income goes up because rents go up, but my expenses usually stay the same if not decrease because mortgage payments go either go away or they become lesser in principle. So I make more money on the back end because I have more money in equity, all this sort of stuff. So the longer I own the rental properties, the more money I make. So the first principle is make money every single month. Now, if you don't know how to calculate how to make money every single month, there is a video that I want to walk you through this entire process. I created this video that is going to show you how to use Zillow and Zillow.com. That's a company that is um, shows the online database of all the different properties that are for sale. And you can use my online calculator, my rental property calculator, take the numbers and I show you how to do it step by step. Take the numbers from Zillow, go to my website where I have my calculator, plug in the numbers from Zillow into the calculator and it'll show you how much money you'll make every single month minus your mortgage, any expenses, your taxes, your insurance, things like that. It'll actually walk you through and then spit out a number that says, okay, you're gonna be making $250 a month or you're gonna be making negative $800 a month or whatever it might be. It'll tell you so that you can see either this property is, they're asking way too much for it and I need to offer lower, I need to get it for lower, I need a better deal on it, or do I need to raise rents, whatever. It gives you a good picture of what the property is going to be like and help you to know that when you actually run the numbers, looking at the property, walking through the property, this tool is not the end-all be-all. Like you're not going to run through this, buy the property if it says you're making money and you'll be done. No, this is just the start of analyzing a property from beginning to end. You still need to go to the property. You still need to look at all the numbers again, double and triple check all your numbers, check out any expenses, check out how much taxes you might be paying, what your insurance actually get insurance quotes. There'll be a lot of things you're gonna need to do. This is just a quick 
three to four minute way to see if you want to spend more time analyzing the deal. So I have the video for you. I'm going to put it on the podcast show notes, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash zero two six. That is the show notes for this page that will give you the video as well as all of these principles that I'm giving you today. Now, principle number two, buy lower than market value. And obviously, the lower, the better, the more money you'll make in the end. So you want to buy lower than market value. Let's say the market value, they're saying you could probably buy a house. This house normally would sell for $120,000. On a normal market where normal buyers and normal sellers and all that sort of stuff, it's about $120,000. Well, you as an investor will not pay or should not, I would say should, should not pay the market rate for a property. I personally don't invest for appreciation. Appreciation is where you think or you're speculating or guessing that the market will continue to go up. I don't do that. I invest for passive income, monthly passive income that goes in my pocket, just like I talked about in the principle number one. Now, principle number two, when we talk about buying a property lower than market value, here's a saying that I want you to remember. You make your money when you buy the property and you realize your money when you sell the property. What that means is if you buy it high, you're not making much money. But if you buy it low, you're going to be making money. So here's that principle again. Buy lower than market value. And here's the saying. You make your money when you buy the property and you realize your money when you sell the property. That means that when you sell the property, the money actually goes into your pocket. Like that's when you realize the actual profit that you make. So you want to look at properties that you can get for a deal. When I say a deal, it's lower than market value. Let's say you're going to go buy a brand new pair of shoes. And brand new pair of shoes is going to cost $100 for the shoes. Well, you see on sale as you're walking down the store or shop, you see, hey, these shoes are normally $100. They're on sale right now for $75. Well, that's 25% off. And that is a good deal. You, you know and recognize that's a good deal. Now, you're going to need to find deals and they're not just going to be, you know, knocking on your door saying, hey, buy me. You're going to need to do some work to find properties where you're going to make good money and you're actually going to get a deal on the property. So that's number two, buy lower than market value. Number three, principle number three, buy properties that you can fix up and force up the appreciation. Buying properties that you can fix up, meaning that you could put money into. Now, it's not tearing down and remodeling. That's not putting money into it. That's that's a whole different different thing altogether. Um, we're not fixing and flipping. We're not flipping the properties. We're investing for the long term where we get cash flow every single month. I make thousands of dollars every single month just because I own a property and that property does work for me. If I sell the property, then I don't have that property working for me. It's not a part of my inventory. It's not working anymore. So you want to buy properties that you can fix up, and that would be putting paint on the walls, you know, just kind of like lipstick on the house, you know, put paint on the walls, um, on the paint, the outside, fix up the, um, the shrubs in the front yard, you know, cut the grass, maybe change out the flooring. You want to make it rentable. You don't want to make it the best house on the block. You don't want it to be the prettiest girl taken to the prom. You don't want that. You want it to be one of the average places in the neighborhood, because if you go in and add granite countertops in a property that is not even worth as much as the granite countertops, then you're gonna be wasting your money. That's I'm being facetious there. So what I mean is if you're over fixing up the property, 
you're putting too much money into the property, then you're not going to get that in a return from your rent. Let's say all the houses in the neighborhood don't have granite countertops, but you go ahead and put in granite countertops. Now, of course, your tenants are going to be happy about it, but are they going to pay more to justify the expense to put in the granite countertop. The granite countertops usually run at least $1,500. Well, how much increase in rent would you get? Let's say you might get maybe $20 more in rent. Um, it's not necessarily a huge selling factor. It's more of like, yeah, the tenant actually likes the place in a sense, but it's not going to command more money. So if you're only making $20 more a month from the granite countertops, how long would it take to make up that $1,500? Now, that's your decision if you want that cost analysis to actually work out in your favor where you're going to make more money because of rents of, put, of doing X, Y, or Z. It could, you know, granite countertops is just an example. It could be anything from adding a pool. I mean, extreme is that, or it could be something as, you know, removing a wall, which I wouldn't recommend. I would say keep walls. But anyways, you want to keep as many rooms as you, as you can. That's why I said it. Um, the more bedrooms, the better. Um, if you want to replace all the flooring with laminate or hardwood, you know, it just depends on the neighborhood and depends on the area. You want to make it a normal property to get normal rents in the normal area that you're living in. So buy properties that you can fix up and force up appreciation. Now, when you fix up the property, well, let me take it one quick step back. If you buy a property that you cannot fix up, then the appreciation, you can't force the appreciation to go up. If you listen to my previous podcast where I talked about delayed financing, well, delayed financing is where you buy a property, you fix it up, and then you finance it for the after repair value. So after you repaired the property, that's the new value. You know, you put money into it, you fix it up. That's the new value. And you'll get 70 to 75% of that new value back in your pocket as a cash out refinance. Um, it's a delayed financing option. And so what happens is if you buy it to where you can't put any money, like basically it's already fixed up, you can't put any of your own sweat equity into it because usually if you put $10,000 into a property, depending on where you put it, you're probably going to get a $20,000 positive increase in equity, maybe even, you know, 15, 20, $25,000. It's going to pay off much more so than just the dollar amount that it costs to put it in. So you're forcing the appreciation of your property up, which in turn you can finance and pull more money out, which would be fantastic because then you could buy more properties. If you listen to my Master Passive Income podcast number 25, where I talked about the five steps to increase dramatically the um, passive income in your business, if you listen to that, I tell you how I used leverage, how I pulled money out of my properties. I even pulled money out of my my home that I lived in. I pulled out like $45,000 out of that property and bought three properties with that. So you want to be able to fix up a property and force up the appreciation for, appreciation for many different reasons. Number four, make sure the expenses are lower than the rental income. This is a principle. Remember, these are all just principles. You want to make sure that your expenses are lower than your income. Now, that's with every single business. Obviously, if you have more expenses than income coming in, you're losing money. And when you're losing money, you're eventually going to be dead once your money runs out. So you want to make sure that your expenses are lower than rental income. Now, here's a tip along with making sure that your expenses are lower. Every year, go back and look at every expense that you have on the property. 
taxes, your insurance, if you have to pay for garbage or, you know, water and sewer, um, go back and uh, electricity. If you want to put solar on, it's a possibility. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't necessarily suggest that, but you possibly can if you want. But you want to look at every expense that comes out of your pocket every single month. So you can look at to see if there's any way to change it. Maybe get new insurance. Maybe that your taxes, you want to you want to appeal your taxes to get your base value lower or your value lower so you pay less in taxes every single year. It could be that you wanted to find a new electric company and pay a lower rate um, for whatever reason, you know, you have electricity, whatever it might be, whatever expenses that you have on your business, look at those every single year and try to reduce it. That's one thing that I learned. I had a retail business called Downtown Express in Fresno, California. It was in the downtown area. Um, started from scratch and sold it four years later. But anyways, I learned really quickly that no matter what expenses I think I or how good I got my expenses lower from the very beginning, like I went and got um, you know workman's comp insurance or got a merchant account for the credit cards. I realized that over time that could possibly, even though it was the best deal at the time that I could find, it could potentially not be the best deal now. Go back and look at all those expenses and figure out ways to lower your expenses. The second part of that is with your rental income, you know, so here's the principle again, make sure your expenses are lower than your rental income. Well, there's also ways to increase your rental income. It could be that the property has been rented for two years at the same income rate, you know, the rental income rate. Well, you can maybe raise it up by $25 or $50, depending on the area and everything and your clientele, your, you know, your tenants that are in the property might raise it up 10%. And um, they hopefully would stay in there because they've hopefully made more money because of the economy and all that sort of stuff and maybe raises or whatever, but raise it, raise the rent by 10%. And hopefully that will continue to increase and put more money in your pockets every single month. Now, principle number five, Make sure there is demand for your property. Now let's move on to number five. Principle number five is make sure there is demand for your property. Let's say that there is an area of the country that um, you find, you start zeroing in and you find in that city, this is okay, this is a good city where I want to invest. And then you start drilling down even more. Even in the city, in that neighborhood, there's a great neighborhood to invest in. Or you also find that there's a neighborhood that you don't want to invest in. Really high crime, um, really bad properties. They're all dilapidated, all that sort of stuff. Um, you want to make sure that there is demand for your property. Because as supply and demand goes, if there's more demand for your properties, the more money you can make because you can charge more in rent. If there's a lot more properties, if they're not taken care of, if there is a lot of crime, you will be forced to charge less than you would want normally because the demand for renting that property would be less across the board. Less people want to live in there, so there's more supply, and so you get less rents. So number five, make sure there is demand for your property. And this, again, over the entire world, wherever you're investing, make sure there's demand that somebody wants to live in there and that will pay you rent. Number six, only invest where people will rent your property. That's as plain as day, simple, you know, common sense. But let's say you think, well, let me go in the middle of the desert. There's this fantastic property in the middle of the desert. There isn't anybody for 20 miles around. It's a super awesome deal. You know, they built it for a million dollars. They're selling it for $5. Let me buy it and rent it out. Well, if nobody's literally going to live there, I mean, it might be a great property. It might be really nice and all that sort of stuff, but who's going to want to rent it? 
nobody's going to want to rent it because there's no place that they're going to work um, around there. They have to drive 20 miles to the next place. I mean, you might get a few renters, but supply and demand, then there again, your rent goes down and down because there's less demand for the property. So you want to make sure that you're buying properties that are in areas that people want to live and they want to rent in the area. Now, here's another example. Let's say you're buying in an area that there are no rentals. They're all homeowners. And most people that move in that area want to buy their homes. But that could potentially be a negative for you because everybody that moves in there wants to buy. And very few people want to actually rent there. So that's just another thought to think about. Now, principle number seven. Buy good investments, not good properties. You want to buy good investments that are going to be making you money every single month, that are going to appreciate, that are going to take care of you when you're old and not wanting to work. You have an automatic business coming in. You want to buy good investments, not good properties. Now, when I mean not good properties, you might say, hey, this property is worth $100,000. They're asking $90,000. I want to buy it. It's a great property. It doesn't need anything fixed up to it. It's it's perfect. You know, everything's great about it. Well, it might not be a good investment because even though you're paying $90,000 for it, if you could only rent it for six or $700, well, then that is not a good deal because you're going to be losing money every single month. You want to buy an investment, not a property. This is not a place you're going to be living in yourself. You're going to be getting tenants to rent the property and you want to find an investment that'll be profitable for you and beneficial for your tenants. So don't buy good properties. You want to buy good investments, things that make a return, put money in your pocket. And that was number seven. Number eight, place good tenants and run background checks. There's two parts to it. Place good tenants. Obviously, if you have bad tenants, they're going to be bad and possibly not pay you mishandle uh, the property, mess it up, you know, break things, all that sort of stuff where you eventually have to evict them. So place good tenants. Placing good tenants is one of the number one things that any property manager, landlord, anybody needs to have is because if you don't have a good tenant, you might have to evict somebody in the first six months. Well, if you listen to my podcast, many times I share how expensive it is to evict somebody or even just have a turnover where somebody says, well, I'm just going to move out. They've been in there for six months and they're going to move out. It costs a lot of money to turn over the property, finding a new tenant, cleaning it up, painting the walls because they got their handprints on there or whatever it might be, you know, kids' handprints. The, the floors got tore up, the dog pooped everywhere, whatever it might be. It costs a lot of money to turn over the property. Turnover means get the tenant out, fix it up, get a new tenant in there. It costs a lot of money. Now, in doing that, what I strongly recommend, this is a principle, is run background checks. Run background checks on every single tenant that you put in. Don't think, okay, well, this is uh, you know my father's brother's sister's former roommate, and they vouch for this other person, and oh, it's going to be great. They, they said that they make $2 million a month, and let's go ahead and put them in there. Well, no, don't do that. Don't take anybody's word for it. And I'm not saying that everybody lies. I've just come across to many, many liars, people that lie to me and say, oh, yeah, I'm a great tenant. I pay my bills and blah, blah, blah. But when I run a background check, I find out how bad of a tenant they've been in the past. To give you an example, there was a lady that, and I've run many, many background checks, but this one really always stands out to me is I was running the background check on a lady. Her application looked fantastic. Her income looked great. Everything looked great on the application. But then I run a background check and it cost me $30. But it saved me almost $2,000. That $30 saved me $2,000 
in eviction fees and turnover fees because I found out she had been evicted four times in the last three years. Four times in three years. And I said, there's no way I'm going to be the fifth time in this third or fourth year. This is not going to work out. So I did not place the, the tenant in my property. So always run background check. All right. Now we have two more. Number nine, make the property rent ready, not the best house on the street. You don't want your house to be the absolute best. And the reason why is because you're gonna be putting money into something that you're not gonna get a good return on. You want to invest your money, not just throw it at a property and make it the prettiest one on the street. You want your property to be, and it's called, or a quote unquote, rent ready. Ready to take a tenant and start receiving rents from those tenants. So make the property rent ready. And that could be as easy as, you know, painting the walls, making sure the, the flooring looks good and replacing the flooring if you need to, clean the carpets, um, if you need to paint the cabinets in the kitchen, you know, mow the front yard, do things like that that make it look nice, but not, you know, the prettiest girl on the block. You don't want that. You want to make sure that it's going to be a property that people will be okay to live in. Not, not one that they're all clamoring to get in because maybe you fix it up a little too much. That's the downside is if you make it the best house on the street, you may have put too much money into it and you're not going to get a good return on that. All right. Number 10. This is the last principle in this podcast, podcast number 26. Now, remember, we're going to have 10 more next week. So stick around for next week. This 10th principle is buy properties that make you a minimum of $250 a month or more in passive income. Now, if you start dipping down into 200, you know, $200 or below, then you start being getting concerned. I personally shoot for $250 a month in passive income. Um, $200 is decent, but once you once you start breaking that threshold of 250, getting into 200, then you start well maybe 190 or maybe 175. You start hacking out your profit, and there are plenty of properties out there. It's going to take time and patience and diligence to find a property that makes you $250 a month, but it's well worth it. Once you get a property that makes you $250 a month or more, passive income coming in your pocket, you know, uh, you have cash flow coming in your pocket every single month that you can live on, then you are going to be able to compound your business over and over again, buying more properties, and eventually be able to quit your job just like I did. Now, if you go below 250 or I'll say even below 200, 200 is absolute, like literally never buy anything above or below $200, but above $200 is good. My minimum is 250. But if you go below $200 a month, if you go into a hundred dollars a month, let's say you're making a hundred dollars a month. Well, a hundred dollars a month, that's $1,200 a year. Let's say you buy a property that you have a mortgage of $900 a month. Well, if you have the property not rented one month, how much is that coming out of your pocket? That's $900 coming out of your pocket, not paid for by a tenant. And that's $900 eaten up, eating up your $1,200 profit for the entire year. So how much do you left over? If you have one, one month, not let alone, you know, uh, flipping the property or, you know, getting it rent ready and, and turning it over to an ad, another tenant, just the mortgage alone being $900 and you're only making hundred dollars a month. Well, you're only, so that's $1,200 profit per year. And you just paid out $900 to a mortgage that is left over $300 for the entire year that goes into your pocket. What does that come out to every single, that comes out to $25 a month passive income coming in your pocket. That's not even counting any expenses of 
turning over the property, like I said, or paying the electricity bill for one month, that's $100 uh, because nobody's in there. So you want to make a minimum of $200, my personal minimum, and what I tell all my students, all my coaching students, uh, is $250 a month is the minimum. And like I said, they're not going to be where you can just walk out and pick it off a tree and say, oh, here's $250 property. No, you're going to have to work for these. You're going to have to find them. You're going to have to negotiate. You're going to get them down. But that's all worth it when you finally have a property that's making you $250 a month. It's just amazing. And so $250 a month is $3,000 a year coming in your pocket. If you make $250 a month, that's $3,000 a year coming in your pocket, minus expenses, whatever it might be. But imagine, wouldn't your life change if you had an extra $3,000 a year in your pocket? Or just say your paycheck. If your boss gave you $3,000 more a month in your paycheck, wouldn't that be just fantastic? Absolutely. $3,000 more a year in your pocket is life-changing. Buying one property will change your life. All right, now these were the 10 principles, the first 10 principles of investing in real estate that can be applied all over the world. Now, if you would, I would really appreciate you guys. I would like to read your review on the air, give you a shout out, go to wherever you download this podcast and subscribe and then rate and review. It really helped me out. It helps me to know that you guys are listening, that you guys really enjoy what I'm putting out, putting out for free for you guys. I want to, I just want to give back so that you guys can change your lives with real estate. All right, guys. So next week, we're going to be going over the final 10 other principles in investing in real estate. There's so many other ones, but these are the top 20 that we're going to be giving you. All right, guys, get out there, start investing. I'll see you soon. Take care of yourselves. Peace out.